listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, June the 19th, in the year of our Lord 2019. And it's Bible study time for congregations gathered together to hear this, or folks at home. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 14. It's referred to as the parable of the great banquet. Before we take a look at that, though, I have this to say. I have a congregation, and there's a number of people who are on welfare. So when we have a meal, we try and order food in. And what we do is we find out how many people are able to come. And so various individuals indicate, yes, we'll be able to come on this day. And then we order the proper amount of food. But then the day comes and we've got individuals who say, I'm sorry, I am unable to come. I'm buying a car and this is the only time that I'm able to see it. Uh, Another says, well, I'm looking at houses and this is a great day, so I'm unable to come. And someone else says, well, there's a party in my neighborhood that I've been invited to, and I'm going to go to that instead. And so these people don't come uh, to the meal, even though the church had purchased food to feed everybody. So what do we do? Well, on the next voters' assembly, I, as a pastor, encourage those people who had made a commitment to come but did not come to be excommunicated. What? Why would you do that? Well, I'm simply kind of following Jesus' parable of the great banquet. So why don't we turn to that and look at that? It's Luke chapter 14. And Jesus is talking about in verses 12 to 14 that when people invite individuals to a banquet. Just don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors in order that you might be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Because, see, they can't repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So we begin with verse 15. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus says to them, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Now, you need to understand parables with a kind of a comprehension of what was going on in that culture. You know, at the time of Jesus, they did not have refrigerators. So when they were going to be making a banquet, they needed to know how many people were coming to know how many animals to slaughter, uh, how many vegetables to cook, etc. And so when the meal was ready, all the food was prepared... Then he sent his servant out to invite those who had been invited. Come, for everything is now ready. Verse 18. 
But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Well, these certainly seem to be like appropriate excuses. In fact, the first two of them were excuses that could be made for you not to go into the military. At any rate, the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. In other words, they're not going to be going to heaven. In other words, they're kind of like excommunicated from the church because they gave certain reasons why they were not able to attend a banquet to which they had been invited and had indicated that they were going to be coming. What do we do with this? How is this different than the pastor at the next voters' assembly suggesting these people who had said they were coming to the banquet, the church had bought the food, and then gave excuses that they should be excommunicated. Isn't that exactly what's happening here? Well, this is why you need a trained pastor, not only in the original languages of Greek and Hebrew and some Aramaic in reading the Bible, but also in knowing the culture of that day. So kind of let's go over this once more. And let's look at it not from our point of view, where these seem to be valid excuses, but from God's point of view. So going back to verse 17, At the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. The food's all been prepared. The animals have been killed. Everything is cooked. And they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Now, why is that not a valid excuse? Well, well, listen carefully. I have bought a field and I must go and kind of check it out. That never happens in our day. If you're this gullible, I've got some land in Florida. I love to sell you. Of course, it's underwater. But you buy the field, then give me the money, then go and examine it. Go and see it. We know that Land in Palestine was really rare. It's not that big a country. And, and therefore, 
to buy a field without seeing it is ridiculous. Nobody would do that. It would be like me saying something along the lines, well, I bought a house and I'm now going to go and see it, see what it looks like. Nobody does that. They first examine the house. That's why you have real estate investors who take you through the house, tell you the good points, and they're also to tell you the bad points. Nobody buys a house before they see it. See, this is not a valid excuse. This is a put-down of the person who invited them. Let's look at the next excuse. I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Well, if you lived at the time of Jesus, yes, oxen were sold. Five yoke means there were ten of them. And the way they were examined, there was always a field near where the oxen were being sold where you could hook them up to whatever you had to do. Maybe they were pulling some kind of garden implement to furrow the ground or whatever, and you would test them. Imagine you got one yoke of oxen and they didn't get along with each other. Well, you just wasted your money. To buy 10 of them, five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them, that doesn't make any sense at all. Nobody does that. It's, it's like saying, yeah, I uh, bought five cars yesterday, and I'm going to go take a look at them. How do you know when you get there they aren't in the garbage dump? How do you know any of them run? No, nobody buys that kind of volume of cars, unless they're brand new, without first examining them. This is not a valid excuse. This is just saying to the person who invited them to the meal, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to come. The next one's even worse. I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Now, this is the example that I give. It's made up, obviously. But the President of the United States contacts me, and he wants to have a meeting with me at my home to discuss some policy he wants to do, say, in the pro-life area. And I ask him, what day are you coming? And he says, I can be there on Wednesday. And I say... I'm sorry, uh, Wednesday nights are the night that I always make an appointment with my wife. We go out to eat. So I'm unavailable Wednesday. <laughs> Who would ever say that to the President of the United States unless you just hated him? It was just an excuse. And you need to understand that in Jesus' day, women we're not yet at the level that Galatians talks about where there's no distinction between male or female, Jew or Gentile, slave or free. In fact, a man could just divorce his wife because she was not a good cook. And Jesus, of course, spoke out against those things. Women were definitely second-class citizens. 
And, and for you to say, I'm sorry, I, I know I told you I'd come to the banquet, but I just married a wife and you know I need to be with her. Nobody would say that. Not when the main individual in your village is inviting you to the banquet. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. That's verse 21. Then the master of the house became angry. Because, see, he recognizes these are not valid excuses. These are just things said because they don't want to come. They don't like the master. So he says, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. Now, you go to San Francisco right now, and there's a lot of people sleeping in the streets. Things have really broken down in that city. And what the master is saying, okay, forget about these other individuals. It kind of goes back to what he had said in verses 12 to 14. Don't just invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or rich neighbors, because you would say, well, if I invite them, they're going to have to invite me. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. And the servant returns in verse 22. Sir, what you commanded has been done. And there still is room. And the master says to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Now, in that culture, the highways and the hedges would, we would translate into something like, uh, go out into the bridges of the overpasses and look for people there and invite them to the banquet. Can, can, can you imagine that you're living under an overpass, a bridge, just to stay out of the weather, and the individual from the President of the United States comes and says, the President is inviting you to eat with him. <laughs> Nobody would believe it. And yet this is what this master does. And then he says, for I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. In other words, they won't be in heaven. And so this is where we need to understand what a parable is. Now, sometimes the word parable just is referring to an idea of a metaphor or a simile, a comparison. It has nothing to do with the church or spiritual matters. But when Jesus gives this parable, this is a parable of the kingdom of God. And when you ask about the kingdom of God, there's a number of ways to understand that. You have the kingdom of God that most people think about after Judgment Day where you have an eternity of bliss with Jesus in heaven. But then there also is referred to as the kingdom of God or the place of paradise where a human being dies and his spirit goes to. It's called the interim. And it is between the time of your death and the time of judgment day. But you're still also in a form of the kingdom of God. But even here on earth, there is a kingdom of God. 
It's called the Holy Christian Church. That's the kingdom of God. This is where the Holy Spirit comes into a person's body. Pentecost, what it's all about. The kingdom of God, therefore, that this parable is talking about is about what is happening here on the church. What we have, and here's how we would translate it to the church. Jesus says that God the Father is inviting everyone to the great banquet. There was always a great banquet after a war, for example, or after a a king was made king. And this would occur in the future. And what Jesus is talking about is the banquet that God has in the kingdom of God here on earth, the Holy Christian Church. Uh, For example, what do we receive in this banquet? We receive the very body and blood of Jesus Christ in the Holy Sacrament. And so he invites everyone. And then everything is now ready. Baptism is ready. The Lord's Supper is ready. Proper preaching is ready. And they all began to make excuses. And see, if I was preaching this in a congregation, I would attempt to find excuses that people make in not coming to the banquet, say, on Sunday morning. Now, some excuses are valid not to come to church. For example... You may be a policeman. You may be a nurse. And that's the day that you work. Those are valid excuses. But if you say, boy, Sunday morning is the only day I can sleep in. Or, boy, the Sunday morning television really has some good programs I like watching. Old movies. And what the pastor would do is examine your reasons for not worshiping God and and see if they are valid or not. These excuses that they gave, none of them were valid because they were just ways of putting down God who invites them to the banquet. And boy, did that happen in Jesus' day. The Pharisees, They believed Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. They believed Jesus rose from the dead, but they refused to believe him as the Messiah. They said it was tricks of Beelzebub, the devil, all these miracles. And so, though invited by Jesus to come to the banquet, many of them refused to come, giving excuses that were really from Satan himself. And so once God hears those excuses, what's he talking about that bringing the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame? Well, we remember those were ones that Jesus told John the baptizer would be being healed by the Messiah, according to the Old Testament prophecies. And that's what Jesus was doing. And, and therefore the least likely people that would be invited to the royal banquet were being invited. And then when the servant returns and says, okay, 
These people are really eager to come, but there still is room. What does he mean go out to the highways and hedges? Well, that would be those who really were not part of the normal area, the normal neighborhood. Those are the Gentiles. The Gentiles were looked down upon by many Jews because of their intermarriage and their worship of idols. But some of them came to faith. And Jesus would keep speaking to the Gentiles and forgive their sins as well as the sins of the Jews. That's what the church is all about. We don't look for the very best in society to come to church so that we'll make sure we meet our budget and this sort of thing. We just put the word out. Now, I've told this story before. I kind of make it up, but one day in church, a member of the Hell's Angel just so happens to walk into church, sit in the pew. He smells with alcohol. He's not dressed very well. And at the end of the service, he just walks out. And one of the older women of the congregation comes to the pastor, and and she's been a member for 30, 40 years. And she says to the pastor, how can we let people like that come into our church? And the pastor looks at her and says, well, we let you come in. Boy. That's proper law and gospel. Nobody is better than that hell's angel from God's point of view because we all sin by thought, word, or deed. And there's no understanding from God's point of view that you can become a better Christian than others for the purpose of being saved. No, your salvation comes from Jesus. The banquet is the great banquet at the resurrection of the just that Jesus will be hosting. And a lot of people will still be giving excuses because they don't believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior. I mean, just think about Lucifer, an angel, one of the top angels perhaps even the seraphim, and he rebels against God and takes a third of the angels down with him? How could he do that? Well, that's what unbelief does. And therefore, even though they see all the miracles of Jesus, they recognize that he died on the cross, rose from the dead, they still refuse to believe in him. And so Jesus goes out and gets you folks, the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, those who are out in the highways and hedges. And notice, compel people to come in, says verse 23. Compel. Why do you have to compel them? Well, because, like I said earlier, uh, imagine there's a homeless person living under a bridge and he is told by the President of the United States that he is welcome to come and eat with the President of the United States. 
he would think it was a joke. He would have to be compelled to come. And that's what Christ does with you. How are you compelled? Because you are born with a sinful heart and have no desire to believe in Jesus Christ or to feast at his banquet. So how does the Lord compel you? He creates within you a new heart and a right spirit and gives you faith through the power of the Holy Spirit so that when you receive that, you are joyous in knowing that Jesus died for you, rose for you, and you can hardly wait to tell other people about it including the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, those who are in the highways and in the hedges, because that's who you were. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks so much for listening to the Bible study from Luke chapter 14, the parable of the great banquet. I hope that's been helpful to you. Tomorrow on Law and Gospel, we'll be with Wes Reimnitz. And we're going to be talking about the curse of knowledge. This is something you need to hear about because it's going to be helpful in your communication with others. Till tomorrow, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.